Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Own Personal Beatles. My name's Jack Pelling. And I am Robin Allender. How are you doing, Robin? Really good. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Beatle Christmas seems to be extended, in, yeah. if Twitter's anything to go by. Um, seems like we're in a real third wave of um, Beatlemania. Well, that has been the really nice thing this week on Twitter, is just seeing how many people are responding to it. And not always people who you'd expect, you know, like Jeff Barrow from Portishead, I saw was tweeting about it today. Um, and, you know, and I think because there have been some negative reviews, or there's one in particular that I'm thinking of, <laughs> it's like it's really nice that to see kind of the people on Twitter kind of leaping to its defence, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot and, of people that are sort of not into the Beatles still just commenting on how nice it is to see people just being sort of joyous about something which is really nice but we'll come on to that um because we're going to do a little bit more chat about get back because um we didn't want to kind of sort of go into too much detail last week when it had only been freshly released yeah so we'll do a little bit of chat but the main event is uh our guest this week sean keevney who came on a couple of weeks ago before the release of the film but after the release of the um let it be super deluxe edition which gets a lot of airtime in this episode but it's an Mm. absolutely wonderful chat uh, he was absolutely brilliant. And if you uh, enjoyed last week's podcast, but you thought the uh, Beatles impressions were absolutely terrible, got some good <laughs> news for you because the standards really upped this week. Probably the best, yeah. And um, very funny, quite a lot of F-bombs flying around, just to forewarn you. Yeah, so, if yeah. you've got kids in the car, there's a little bit of um, effing and jeffing going on. But, uh, um, you know, as there is in the film Get Back, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it was great to chat to Sean. He was so nice and so funny. And there's a brilliant story about Stella McCartney at the end as well. There is one of the great controversial opinions. As well. <laughs> yeah, that's really um, funny. So uh, yeah, but and then uh, in another bit of um, exciting news, we've been nominated for an award of sorts, which is very exciting. That's the first time for me in anything I've ever done. Mm. But uh, Pod Bible um, have nominated us for Best Music Podcast 2021 with some stellar company, including Sean. Um, yeah, but the good thing is you can vote for multiple people. So if you do want to go and vote for us and Sean and lots of other people we've had on the podcast before, including Adam Buxton and uh, Josh Widdicombe and yeah, lots of other people, then you can go to podbiblemag.com um, and vote till your heart's content. You can vote for every single person nominated if you want. But we're up against some big hitters, so we're not holding out much hope. But it would be lovely if you did vote for us. You know, vote for the the underdog. Put it this way, I don't think many of them have had to just change rooms and kick their girlfriend out of the living room because the neighbours were playing Black Street too loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd be delighted if you'd go to uh, podbiblemag.com and vote for us there. But, you know, let's let's begin with a little chat about um, Get Back. We should say that 
you know, although we touched on it very briefly last week and that turned into a 25-minute conversation, um, we're not going to go into our deep dive. We're going to um, borrow a phrase from Sean in this podcast, keep our powder dry, because I think we're going to do our sort of our real deep dive, just the two of us probably face-to-face with some cans and we'll give that to you over Christmas. But um, last time we spoke, you hadn't seen the whole thing. Yes, Yes. So, so any more, um, you know, sort of general general thoughts? I think well, we can I, be a bit more spoilerific now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've watched the whole thing, and I'm in the middle of my of a, of a rewatch. Um, yeah, and I, obviously I love it. And <laughs> I was, was going to say one of the things which the kind of negative review in The Guardian pointed out is, it's just, is that it feels long. And mm. for me, that is one of its great strengths because you're used to seeing historical events moving at quite a pace, particularly with the Beatles, where everything they did happened at such a, you know, such a pace. And, you know, it's great to see them slowed down to periods of boredom and frustration because yeah. that's when you see the real life. You can almost touch it, you know. And there's, there's one bit, I think Paul says something like, this is why it always takes us so long to do stuff. And it's like, <laughs> you're doing it in three weeks. But the great thing is, you know, it is a short period of time, but you're seeing all those hours you know, mm. you're seeing the kind of, the, you're seeing the way the songs develop, like the way the beat from Get Back slowly changes each time they play it until it gets to the kind of role, the way that Ringo plays it, that brilliant beat. Yeah. And, you know, and then just that ecstatic moment where they come out on the rooftop and these songs that you've been familiar with for the last few hours just suddenly explode into new life and new energy it's incredible. Yeah. Like uh, as Samira Ahmed pointed out, there's a bit after I've got a feeling where Paul McCartney almost like falls over. He's so kind of stunned by the kind of energy of that you know, of that performance. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. And which is only upped when you get to see how excited he is when the police eventually come yeah, up onto the roof that. and he sort of clocks them out of the corner of his eye and then you think oh he's really gonna up it now and it's probably a bit too manic which is why yeah. it never made the thing but it's so great as they all one by one slowly start to see that yeah. and i think you know that they did the whole last section so brilliantly i think they did and i'm oh. fascinated by the day after the rooftop gig so 31st of jan they go they stay in Apple Studios to record the three songs that they couldn't do on the roof, mm. which is Two of Us, Let It Be, and Long and Winding Road. And it's so fascinating because when you think about kind of the editorial decisions that were made in the original Let It Be film, like that section was never really explained. It's like they're in that some yeah. bizarre afterlife, like some <laughs> wake, where it's like, it's, what, why are they there? What's going on? You know. But with, with Get Back, what you see is all the contexts for every decision. So it's like, oh, that's yeah. why they do, you know, that's why they're doing this. But I love that last section, and I think it's so interesting because let let it be the, the version they record then ended up being on the record. The version of two of us then ended up being on the record, but not Long and Winding Road. Long and Winding mm-hmm. Road was the kind of run through from a couple of days previous, and I just I'm just so endlessly fascinated with Long and Winding Road, this kind of beautiful song that was never really you know, they recorded a rehearsal of it. Yeah. Know? And I, it's just something about it makes it more kind of plaintive when you think of that, particularly mm. when you hear, you know, the different versions of it. Like, you know, I'm a fan of the version on um, Let It Be Naked, which is, I think it's take 19 on Super Deluxe, yeah. Billy Preston's brilliant organ solo. And 
yeah, I don't know. It just made me fall in love with that song. But then, like, another great element of the film is that thing they do where the captions come on and they go, like, this is the version that ended up being on the album. And you're suddenly yeah. like brain are just going like, oh yeah, I recognize that vocal delivery. It's like, this is the one where something magic seemed to happen, you know? And it's like yeah. from the everyday, you see the everyday, there are then these little snippets of magic. And that's why it needs to be eight hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some of the takes of Let It Be that are sort of pretty immaculate before and you're like, oh, is this the one? Is this the one? And it yeah. never is. Yeah, yeah. There's something's wrong with it. But the consistency of Paul's voice. Yes, yeah, exactly. Is absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, he could just turn it on like at nobody ever. Like, yeah, yeah. His, and it's such a sort of sweet tone and sounds like he's all like properly warmed up and ready to go but he's just every take is sort of near near perfect it's, yeah it's obscene and that's <laughs> especially why because they're smoking so much yeah exactly well. and that's why with long and winding road it's so interesting because they are kind of like you know running through but each version his voice sounds great and there's a great bit george martin says something like you know oh we'll do it perfectly this time and then we'll do it again and then we'll do it again <laughs> you know like, <laughs> and there's that but there's a brilliant bit of long and winding road did you hear that where Someone says, did you want to put strings on this? And Paul McCartney says, I don't know. Such a yeah. fateful don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> if you think what ended yeah. up happening to that with the spectre strings. But uh, I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the fateful element of it is um, something that's so interesting, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's sort of, you know, we, uh, we didn't really talk about one of my favourite moments that we mentioned in the pub the other day, but yeah. the bit where Glyn Johns is desperately trying to warn John yeah. Lennon off his newfound manic enthusiasm for Alan Klein. Oh, that's which is just absolutely incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's literally, it's like watching a film. You know, it's like, it's just such an incredible, and and John is just so gulled by, it, you know, by by Alan Klein, this kind of, oh, he's, he's amazing. Oh, yeah, he's, he, he'll, he knows you. He'll know you. It's so kind of weird. Yeah. He's such a, you know, a smart man that could be so vulnerable and susceptible those kind of influences. Mm. But there was so much of his, his, his sort of character, though, wasn't it, of getting really obsessed with things mm. and then sort of dropping them at the drop of a hat, whether there's yeah, sort yeah. Of musical motifs or anything. But it's, yeah. I think it's just really admirable how much Glyn Johns keeps sort of fighting the corner because anyone, you know, he says to him in his, like, surprisingly posh voice, um, <laughs> mm. you know, I'm sure he talks to you differently than he talks to anyone else. Yeah, but, you know, that's so great. And Ringo's trying to diffuse it with with humor, but it's one of the one of the only times where John is doesn't have time for um, the sardonic is when he's in sort of zealous mode, mm. which is really interesting. I thought. Mm. Um, and Billy Preston, we didn't really touch on last week. Yeah, um, they're my they're they're my favorite bits in it, from Billy the moment Preston, that yeah. he walks in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we all knew the, the sort of cliche that everything sort of clicks when he walks in, but, you know, you can really see them just, uh, you know, it's. I always thought it would be, you know, them trying to impress him, but it's very mm. funny how aware of their own status they are, especially in the bits mm. where they kind of trick him into it. Yeah. When they're saying like, oh, you know, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for him yeah. and stuff. Like, he's not going to say no, is he? It's basically yeah. what they're saying. He's so humble. Um, and then he comes in. I mean, he's. I think he's twenty-two in it. Oh my or, god! Which is quite sickening. Uh, but yeah, he just slots in, and yeah. I mean, the rest is the rest is history, as they say. The bit where George George is going through old brown shoe. He says, "What's this called, Billy?" 
Is it D over C or D over yeah. E? Oh, it's E with a C. Yeah. E with a C, yeah. E with a C. And and Billy Preston just goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's E with a C. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so brilliant. It feels when you're watching it, like, particularly when you get through episode one and then in two and three, there's this, there's a, there is a mood of positivity, but it is just marked by the sadness about what you know is going to come. Although... You know, we know that Abbey Road came out of that tension. It's like, well, that didn't quite work. Let's do Abbey Road. So that's that's the kind of, you know, the process in my mind. But, like, obviously so much tragedy happened. So it, it kind of reminded me of watching Wembley, Queen, uh, 86, mm. where Freddie says, you know, there are rumours that, you know, we're going to break up. But, you know, they're talking from here and he points at his bum and but you know the sadness of that they never they i think they only did like one or two more gigs after that and there is that kind of yeah. same sadness where it's like they're at this incredible high point but you just kind of know that from there on it's the kind of it's the breakup and it's also you know obviously john's death mal's death as well which only found yeah out it's only about six so years tragic. ago six yeah. six years later on which yeah. Is, yeah and then but i think because it it's so heightened that sense because it feels so contemporary because of you know, obviously how immaculate the footage is, but also how alive they yeah. are. And uh, we sort of touched on this last week, but there's, there was a brilliant um, article in The Guardian this week by Jonathan Freeland. Oh, yeah. Um, talking about their sort of, you know, he's, it's actually a slightly different spin on you being, you know, it, the, its transportative nature of you sort of entering this, this weird kind of time travel. Mm. But actually, um, the point that he makes, which is completely right, is that, they're the ones that seem out of time. Mm. They're the ones that don't quite fit into the iconography of the 1960s of the stuffiness yeah. of even that sort of slightly moldy green carpet. And especially yeah. when we get to the third episode, yeah. everything looks like it's come out of the 60s, but they look, because of their timeless personalities and the music and the place that they hold in our sort of collective heart, they are the ones that look like they've walked off the street with us you know the way especially george who is wearing like converse all-stars and playing yeah. like the same les paul that i've got which yeah, is yeah. such a you know they feel it's sort of testament to their kind of time's nature that you could imagine them in any kind of yeah um, historical I mean, setting and they'd always seem contemporary yeah and that's kind of i mean this is a kind of weird comparison and it's an unfortunate comparison for the beatles really but but jd salinger when you when I open up one of his books again and it's like, oh yeah, there's Franny. She's standing there on the platform. Mm. You know, and it's like they're real people. And, you know, it's just like they're still there when you open the book, like they're alive, you know. And I felt I felt a similar thing watching it. It was like, oh, it's you. It's you again. You're here, you know. <laughs> and you get this great sense of the life going on when the film ends, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. They're just, they are, they feel so alive. Obviously, they're mm. real people, unlike fictional characters. But, like, do you see what I mean? It's like you get such a sense of their character, and we know them already. So it's like mm. it does feel like you're meeting an old friend or something. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of it, isn't it? It's the, your sense of companionship with them. And when they're reading out articles from contemporary newspaper mm. things, it feels like, you know, reading something from the, that is 50 years old, yeah. being read by one of your friends. I mean, the language of them being sort of, you know, weirdies or whatever it is, yeah. you know, the language that our, you know, grandparents would use to describe sort of hippie people. Yeah. And they just seem so far removed from that sort of fusty post-Empire 
like Britain, I suppose. Mm, yeah. And I love it when he called Glyn John's fuck face. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just so funny in the, you know, and that's in the music as well. It's like the music, the way they're playing feels so contemporary. And, yeah. you know, the lovely bit Paul saying to the piano, like, there's every song that's ever been written on that piano. The bit where he plays Martha, my dear, as well. Beautiful. But like, yeah, yeah. Very slow. Just, it just feels like, yeah, it just feels like it was filmed yesterday, that bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's just bizarre. Um, I mean, I can't wait to go sort of further into this because yeah, I've sure. got about six pages of notes, but we'll save, that for <laughs> yeah. another, save it for another day. Yeah. But um, as always, if you want to share your personal Beatles with us, then, um, you know, we, we've probably got one more coming up this year and we're a bit uncertain as for the future hopefully this isn't our get back session <laughs> <laughs> but um you can keep on emailing us and uh, we read them all anyway and we absolutely love them you can get in contact by uh, emailing me jack at homespunsounds.com or you can go to personalbeatles.com forward slash contact but i'll just read out one that um because we were so busy last week that we we didn't get to read it out um and it was just after we'd been to the royal festival hall to see paul do his little q a thing with paul meldoon about the lyrics book uh and this is from scott who says hello long time yopb fan here really enjoyed your review of the mccartney book launch i worked as an usher at the royal festival hall for many years and it prompted some nice memories of spotting paul in the building whilst on shift i once saw him fully immersed in an elgar recital after which he got lost backstage and ended up wandering into the upstairs offices to the shock and bewilderment of several board staff members manning the phones apparently he issued the trademark hey thumbs up combination before <laughs> making his way out However, the most notable occasion for me personally was when Sir Paul and his brother Mike attended Slava's Snow Show, a beautiful Russian clown extravaganza. Part of the show involved a gigantic spider descending from the roof of the stage, then casting its web over the audience. This required the assistance of several ushers who would help pull the web up over the aisles and keep it moving. Having spotted that the great man was in the aisle seat, I made sure I was in the right place at the right time and thus experienced the bizarre thrill of standing over him as we both passed the webbing across the crowd. He seemed delighted. I was delighted. <laughs> so although I've never had a one-to-one -one interaction with Paul McCartney, I'd like to think I'm perhaps the only person who can claim to have pulled a giant spider web over him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably about right. Brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I thought that was great. So thanks so much for that. Um, we'll be back at the end with a little bit of ramble. Um, a lot of people have been getting in touch asking about uh, the Patreon and stuff, so uh, we'll clear that up. And, um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening. Welcome to all our new listeners. I'm aware that we've probably got a few after last week's uh, episode with Adam Buxton. So I hope you enjoy the show. Here is the fantastic Sean Keaveney. Welcome to the podcast, fellow podcaster now and mm. radio royalty, Sean Keaveney. Thank you very Yay. much for joining us. Thank you, guys. It's very kind of you to ask me to be on. Radio royalty, this would be sort of like a minor royal, wouldn't it? I think. You know, yeah, like, like the sort, sort of Duke, Duchess of Duchess of Shropshire or something. Yeah, one of those ones <laughs> yeah, that just yeah. turns up at the opening of an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's lovely, lovely to have you to share your personal Beatles with us. I know you're a sort of big fan. Mm. Where does it all sort of start with you? The red and the blue albums, isn't it? Mm. Really, um, being, I would say, probably, 
I mean, there'll be, there'll be elements of me be repeating myself, but then I've been doing that for 49 and a half years, so why, why stop now? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, so if I was born in 72, and by the time you get to about four or five years old, um, we were, I, I was aware that I'd been uh, unwittingly marinated in the music of the Beatles, mm. um, mostly through my older uncles, um, Uncle Paul and Uncle uh, Ken, especially, they were the custodians of the of the vinyl and the mm. music taste, really, um, in our in our sort of extended family. And then my immediate older uncle Martin, who's only two years older than me, is more like a brother. Don't mm. ask me. Um, <laughs> he, me, and him were like thick as thieves, and so we, as soon as he, even being that little bit older than me. He used to sort of gain control of the stereo in the front room of my grandma and granddad's house at weekends, as I remember it anyway. And um, and that's when it all sort of started, really. You know, from, I'd say from being about six, mm. um, we were, and then and the Beatles Love Songs double album as well. You remember that one that was sort of had, it was like a sort of faux brown leathery one. Mm. Right, Though it yeah. wasn't leather, obviously it was cardboard mm. or, or whatever. <laughs> but um, those are the sort of three touchstones, and that's where it all started. Yeah. And did you? Um, lots of people say that after growing up on the compilations, when they went to the studio albums, they were quite surprised by certain albums, like the White Album particularly. Was there, were there any kind of, you know, surprises you found when you kind of discovered God, yeah. the albums, you know, on their own sake? Well, I mean, again, it's it's well documented that I am a generalist yeah. <laughs> when it comes to music. I'm not a completist at sure. all. Yeah. And the older I've got, the less embarrassed I've been by that fact. I think having worked at a, a radio station that was is steeped in music curation and yeah. specialty, I think that I'd sort of internalised this idea that it was... Um, you know, a bit embarrassing to say. You know, it's like the Partridge thing, and oh, the best of the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and so I was, I was quite happy just listening to the compilations and the singles right mm. up to my, into my well into my teenage years, and then yeah. it was probably when I got into my mid to late teens that, you know, you start you do start to form your own music tastes, and and yeah, it was so it was quite late on really in a sense late teens probably when I. Just, started to go back in to the Beatles of milieu and uh, <laughs> and yeah you know it's it, it, I, for in, the White Album actually I still don't I, I, there's still so much of it I think shite <laughs> um, <laughs> you know I mean that's a strong way of putting it it's, but there's not the first you're not the first person to yeah, say I that think that's this podcast. harsh but fair I would say yeah. Yeah, it's right. the, I, I, and I've, again I love the bit it's like the the bit when he's on the fucking boat with Jules Holland on the in the anthology, I think <laughs> yeah. it is. You know, yeah, you know yeah. it's and people say you know it should have been a good single album. You know, maybe, maybe not. You know, with the bloody Beatles, shut up. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's a double album. But you know, come on, piggies, shit like that. Rubbish, <laughs> isn't it? It's pretty poor in comparison yeah. to the best stuff. But still, it's it's great to look back on. But yeah, I mean, you could say that for a lot of the albums, I suppose that there are sort of. Um, patchy moments mm. but mm. when you look at the volume of stuff that they were churning out and um and the just you know i mean for fuck's sake i mean you know they, they probably sold about 11 million beatles wigs in about nine months apart from yeah. anything else i mean they don't sell themselves do they i mean these guys were busy <laughs> yeah so there's a lot to go at and that's the of course that's why i was just thinking about it before we started 
you know, I've done a couple of, you know, the, the risk of uh, blotting my copybook, uh, at least one other Beatles podcast because, mm. and then I thought, God, that's unusual. And then I think, no, it's not unusual because that just shows you what um, a, a point in culture we're at probably mm. where we're sort of reassessing everything as, as we go, I don't know, as we sort of become part of the fucking cloud or something and we yeah. all become part <laughs> of the hard drive. And yeah. it's just going to be Aber and Ed Sheeran from here on in. But, um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's looking back at a sort of analogue, more innocent time. Of course we're going to do that. But yeah. also looking back on a canon of music that, I don't know, I don't, nobody can come up to me and tell me that anybody's going to better it because I just can stare them down and say, I think you're talking through your fucking arse. Mm. Mm. I don't know if you're supposed to swear. You can swear. Yeah, you can feel free. I, I'm in a very um, sweary mood today. I've just recorded great. a podcast and it's full of F words. <laughs> so I'm going to try and rein it in from here on. I think we've ed- edited out a C word before, but I think F's are fine. <laughs> yeah. um, I get the impression pe- Pepper's quite a big one for you. I think you, on, you tweeted on your last day on Six Music that you were going to listen to Sergeant Pepper all the way through. So, so what, what does that album mean to you? Well, it means a few different things. Like, um, first of all, my, my memory is of being up Scarfell Pike in 1987 on a geography field trip. Uh, Mr. Broxham, uh, we used to talk like, uh, open your pages, page 15, and uh, copy out the uh, drainage and uh, ooga dooga. Uh. That sounds to... like Vic Reeves. He really, honestly, really <laughs> did. He was like I like the way I laughed at that impression, although I, I clearly don't exactly. know Mr. Broxham. It's yeah. the power of comedy, isn't it? You know? He should have had his own chat show and Mr. Mitchell, and they took us up Scarfell Pike, and Mr. Mitchell started singing, It was 20 years ago today. Sergeant Pepper told the band to play. And um, so that when it was, it was like 86, it had been 20 years ago and it was the big thing of the day. We were all quite beatly at the time, us, us kids, and we were like, God, you know, has it been 20 whole years since that came out? And of course, no, what, 54 years down the line, you know. But I, I, I always, again, I for, for the longest time, I thought that Pepper was an overrated album. Mm. Mm. Um but the older I've got, the more I've gone back to it, the more I, yeah. I realise. And then you read Ian McDonald's Revolution in the Head, of course, and he explains <laughs> yeah. to you what you should and shouldn't like. <laughs> yeah. um, I love that. I, I, I get really That does annoy me. He has ruined yeah. at least three Beatles songs for me. He's ruined Lucy in the mm. Sky with Diamonds for me. Yeah, he calls it clunky, doesn't he? He does, and he says something mm. like, "It's you know, he's very flowery, isn't he, about the verses and stuff. Yeah. And then he's got, and then it's just like a 4-4 four, four trad rock yeah. uh you know, sort of chorus. And I was like, you've ruined that for me now. <laughs> one, one Ian McDonald thing I was thinking of uh, while we're, we're, we're listening to Let It Be and everything and getting ready for the Get Back film is Ian McDonald says this thing where John's bass playing, he's playing that six string bass on The Long mm. and Winding Road, was so bad because he was almost deliberately sabotaging the song. Oh, and I listened yeah. to that song. Yeah, that's absolute bollocks. It's rubbish, but that's, that's yeah. a th- one, that, one of those ones that gets repeated. Lennon's crude bass playing on the long and winding road, though largely accidental, amounts to sabotage when presented as finished work. Because John Har- John Harris said that somewhere else, but I listened to that and I I specifically made a note of it yesterday because yeah. I was yeah. listening to it on. I can't hear uh, any mistakes John's making. No, and I think it's really sensitive, especially as that version. In I know you've been listening to the Super Deluxe um, quite yeah. recently, and um, I've been having a real 
fun wallowing around in those, uh, mm. you know, rehearsal things. And especially that take of Let It Be, which is actually probably my favourite version of it, which is on the disc, the sort of the, um, you know, rehearsals. Yeah, and yeah. The early versions discs. I, because it's sort of, there's no production on it whatsoever, but mm. everyone, you can just hear everyone is being so sensitive. Yeah. For, is that the one where um, John says, come on, I've only got... I've, I've only got, got two, two notes, notes on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's great. <laughs> so with, with Long and Winding Road and Let It Be, those two versions are, are just... Everyone is just sort of being so generous in their yeah, playing. I think so too. And I think, you know, if if the criticism of John's stuff is that he's not... He's being a bit half half arsed or whatever. I think mm. it's more that he's just trying to do the bare minimum and yeah. try let the song kind of shine, yeah. isn't he? Ian McDonald more or less says that's why the Beatles broke up, because yeah. Lennon's bass playing was so bad on that song. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, you've sabotaged it, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I completely... I mean, we're, I'm, I'm sure we'll get much deeper into the that Let It Be stuff, Yeah, but that's but exactly one of the things that, that comes right off the recordings and of course that's that's one of the big selling points of it they're not they're not stupid are they you know this idea mm. that you know peter jackson's found all this evidence and, and mac has already repeated this you know i thought it was really uh rancorous but it, it's just four guys like loving each other's stuff you know <laughs> and it and it is you know that yeah. from what from what even from these little snippets it's so lovely and respectful isn't it yeah. and and this yeah. that you can tell they're just back together and anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna save i'm gonna keep my powder dry because there's, there's so much to say there isn't there really sure. yeah let's yeah. go well let's go back to pepper we were talking about how the, the mm. pepper, pepper yeah being up scuffle pike and i still <laughs> think that it, it, some i mean again you got to forgive me because i am not as well as a generalist, I, I'm, a, I'm a, something of a heathen as well. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Howard Goodall for fuck's sake. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah. You know. You know. It's, and, then the, and then with the augmented chord, and then in comes the choral. And I, I don't really know. You know. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I, I'm a bit of a musician, but I'm a, also a bit of a heathen and a bit of a philistine. And I like what I like, and I don't like what I don't like, and I don't like quite a lot of bits from Sergeant Pepper as well, if you must know. Um, you know. Um, Within you, without you, okay, yeah, no, I quite like that. I used to hate it, but it's grown on me. Lovely Rita meter, meter made. I like that now. Good morning, mm. love that now. Mm. Still, for the benefit of Mister Kite, absolutely drives me up the wall. I hate really? it. Yeah. And the more people I say that to, the more people are like, I can't believe you're saying that. I really like that. I can hate it. <laughs> but someone said those exact words to me in the pub last night no way yeah <laughs> it's one of the songs hilarious. that's grown on me since doing the podcast but the reason i never used to like it was it because it feels a bit too much like a, a school project like he's a smarmy head boy <laughs> who's been given this homework to do make a victorian yeah. musical style song and, it, and it's, it's like it's almost too good yeah, you know exactly. I mean? mm. <laughs> and the, the dancing horses. I don't know what it is, but that well, whole I love it now. that yeah. whole story, you know, sitting at the bottom of John's bed and with looking at the poster, and the, they knock the mm. song out, and it's a bit twee. But yeah. I'm getting off topic because sure. the point I guess I'm making is is that because of little things like that on the album that distracted my younger mind mm. from the greatness, and and actually that's where books like Ian McDonald's helped me I think because they mm. they unpacked the complexity of it and the the revolutionary uh, sort of production and, and and when you and of course when you do listen back to it with with fresh ears you think Jesus 
it, it makes me sad as well. I mean, I'm going to sound like such an old dick, but <laughs> you know, like my youngsters today, you know what they think <laughs> record production. It frightens me, you know. But it's that, that whole. You'll have had this conversation a million times, but the nuance and the mm. the amount the the, le- the layers and the levels and the mm. sort of the, the thought that goes into every single aspect and the sound effects in the background and the yeah. and the playfulness and everything that comes into that album mm. makes it this kind of like 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 he says in that book I think you know it's it's no longer a recording of a live band it is it's it's pop art it mm. is elevated to the status of art and you could understand why. Jimi Hendrix would have put it on on that Saturday morning in 1967 or something and then just been like, oh my God, man, I can't believe it. It's so cosmic. And then, you know, learns Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and plays it at the Blazes Club on the Monday night or whatever and blows everybody away because it does. It feels it's a total game-changing piece of work, isn't it? Mm. He said mm. for being about the 160 millionth person to say that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, it's suffered for a long time because it's it's such a like lofty reputation and everything about it is so sort of iconic and the you know even the cover I think puts pressure on it people who come to it who didn't sort of come to it naturally I suppose mm. and it is it's my favorite record because but I think that's solely because it was my first one okay. but I do sort of understand I mean I think in George Martin's book about it, Summer of Love, which Robin and I read this year as well, it did feel like one of the ones where they were just, they were so confident yeah. that mm. they were making something fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine what that feeling is like to just know <laughs> no. you're nailing it every single day. But I think that self-confidence and that belief yeah. is... Um, it's intoxicating, you know, isn't it? Because yeah. it's... Yeah, I, that's what I think as well from what... My memory's so bad. I read a book and then I put it down. And I forgot what I've just read, you know. But that sort of they f- so they finish touring in '66 and then they have some time off and then it gets to like Christmas time or whatever or January the next year and they just I well, better make another album then, you know. <laughs> and then it's just that, that footage of them like I I used to go past it every day on my way to work on my bike, you know, Abbey Road, and, and get an earworm every single time, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um. You know, footage of them turning up in their little minis and they just started to get the moustaches and yeah. the, the glasses and everything, you know, and it was all starting to coalesce. But you're right, that that's what I felt. Like, in, in at the first bit, it was really intoxicating. It was exciting, 63, 64. They conquer America and it's all whistle-stop and they're having, you know, the smoking gear with Dylan and everybody's telling them they're great and this is amazing. And then, you know, the Philippines things happen and it gets, oh, we're too big. We're, we're bigger than God. And then all the bad stuff happens. Mm. It just feels like there's that bit 66 to 67. Yeah. Like you said, well, they know they're not going to have to go through that shit again. They're taking control of the destiny and they're just dicking about mm. in the most luxurious way possible. And everybody <laughs> in the world is going, take as long as you want. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> fucking much money. If you if you want that microphone imported from Azerbaijan uh, on a first class jet, we'll do we'll have it there this afternoon and everybody's and quite rightly because they are, they know they've got the goods. And like you say, they're just shitting gold at that point, mm, aren't they? Yeah. And it's like mm. Fortuna's wheel. You can already knowing how it goes, you can already see it sort of but what a golden moment for in for world history really. 
Do you, do you think, mm. um, as, a, <laughs> as a radio DJ, is there something about Pepper you like because of that? I think Paul said somewhere that he kind of thought of it or thinks of it as kind of like a radio show and that it's this variety. And, Total, you know, yeah. Mm. There is a Goonie. Uh, and, of course, we know, you know, George Martin and everything being the comedy producer that he was. And had anybody else been in, in control of that, it probably wouldn't have turned out to be that kind of sound collage, close mm. your eyes and be transported to a completely different dimension thing. You know, it was mm. George Martin's genius that, that put that layer on it, wasn't it? Mm. But yeah, it's like, it is, it's like listening to, a, it, is, I, it is like listening to a, a bit of a radio play, isn't it, or mm. something. Mm. And it, you know, and, and famously, of course, it, it is and it isn't a concept, it's not a concept record at all really, is it? It just mm. sort of starts and finishes, it bookends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's just maybe that's it. Maybe that's why it took me that long to really, really w sort of have it at the top of my list because there's so much to digest. You know, it took me about forty five years for the penny to go fully drop. You know, oh, yeah. oh fucking mm. hell, yeah, really, really, there's a lot of stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit thick. So should we should we talk about Let It Be? Hmm. Let's do it. Um, because you know it's topical for those who I don't know why you would be listening to this if you don't know this, but they've just released a huge amount of material that's kind of been around, scratching around on YouTube and poor versions. But in the super deluxe version of Let It Be, um, there's a real treasure trove of stuff that we've not heard before in pristine condition, mm. including lots of rehearsal audio that I think we're going to see in the Peter Jackson film and oh. the Glyn John mixes as well. Hmm. Oh, I mean, I say right at the top here, I tweeted something about it the other day, I'll tweet you, but um, <laughs> that I'm not, again, I, I've never been the kind of person who pours over versions of shit. I, I just, mm. yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I tend to be of the mind, well, the finished record's probably the best version because that's mm. the one they chose after 118 takes. Um, so it doesn't usually interest me that much. Even with um, one of my other great obsessions, Led Zeppelin. Mm. Stop yawning over there, I can see you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had the great honour of interviewing Jimmy Page, especially a few times wow. about all those reissues and everything. Yeah. But if... I hope he's not listening. I really doubt it. <laughs> He's a Patreon mate. He loves it. Yeah. Oh, when's the next one out, guys? <laughs> He's such a tremendous man. He's a lovely fella. Mm. But I, I, I did tend to think after... He felt a bit too much to me, in a sense, the, the, the mm. sort of reissue thing in that, in that vein a lot of the time, because it was like the versions were pretty similar and just like mm. different mixes, maybe with a different guitar solo. Stuff. And I was like, okay, it's interesting, but... But with this, um, I, I don't know. I suppose it's pro also it's fueled by the, it being the precursor to this massive dump of, of information that we're going to get with this three-hour extravaganza. Yeah, mm. and, I think uh, that is the quote for the poster. Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> massive dump. It, it's a massive uh, info dump. Sean Keaveney, formerly Six mm. Music. <laughs> uh, that's how I get described. Um, yeah. But that, but that's, I mean, again, I'm repeating myself, but that they are to me, like 
and I've seen other people say this, they're like members of my family. They're like sort mm. of extended members of members of my extended family, the Beatles. That's that's what they are. They're like fucking uncles. Mm. And um and so to hear them talk in a candid fashion, uh, it, it is a little bit like I don't know. It's a little bit like hearing a, a, a an answer phone message from somebody who you knew that died or something. Mm. It's that, especially mm. because John and George aren't with us anymore. So it, there's something in, in, indescribably emotional about it, mm. as well as yeah. being very interesting. I think. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I've got quite emotional a lot of times listening to that rehearsal stuff, mm. and God knows what I'm going to be like when the film comes out. But for me, yeah, a lot of it is just. George sort of coming in and you know being like oh we're on the day shift now or, yeah. you know I want I like, some sauce with me with your cauliflower <laughs> yeah, cheese sauce. or whatever yeah, <laughs> cheese sauce, sauce. that's great yeah, yeah. I love that that exactly yeah. the detail of that you know and because I just think you know I, I to be able to do that with any of our conversations if you think you could go back to 1990 and listen to your mum and dad having a conversation in the kitchen or something, you'd, you'd die to hear it. Mm. And this is mm. what this is a version of, isn't it? Yeah. And and obviously, the things that people have already picked up on are just amazing, like, which goes back to what we were saying before about their relationship being much more cordial for the mm. most part than it's been portrayed. But yeah. all the, I love hearing, because I'm no good at it. I'm a terrible creative collaborator. I tend to just do everything badly on my own because I can't bear <laughs> to ask for help. But you like just hearing George with that kind of, what do you think, Paul? What do you think it yeah. should be? You know, it's something yeah. I've been struggling with it for six months. You know, yeah. that the 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 sort of egolessness of the. I mean, they must mm. be fucking massive, the biggest egos in the world. Yeah. But they can be egoless at the same time. Yeah, that's incredible to me. I, yeah. yeah, I was thinking. I was listening. I feel really sorry for Ringo when he's playing Octopus's Garden, <laughs> yeah. and George goes, "Oh, you've learned A minor." <laughs> <laughs> Did he? I've not heard that. Yeah, it's yeah. you've learned A minor. <laughs> yeah. the, the scabrous bants yeah. that are going. But yeah. it is. They're calling him Harris songs as well. I like that. Called George Harris yeah. songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's great, isn't it? Yeah. All those little barbs and like mm. when uh, John keeps calling Glenn John's Glynis, you know, Glynis. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Come on, let's start it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just hearing them. Um, I think there's a, that version of Oh Darling where yeah. it, it's like a duet really with John and Paul, isn't mm. it? It's fucking yeah. amazing. It's like how that didn't make the record. Yeah. Because, and John. Is that the and, one where John says the, the Yoko's divorce paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <free>. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like fucking EastEnders, but with yeah. the Beatles. I was going to say mm. as well the when they just go in to save the last dance for me, yeah, the and drifters. they're just like improvising it. Well, they're you know just coming up with it, but the way they're singing in harmony just automatically is just phenomenal. It's mad. It, they are, <laughs> yeah. and that's it, isn't it? They're, it's yeah. all laid bare. It's like mm, and like yeah. they always say, it's fraternal, isn't it? Or mm. the, the 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 vocal harmonies, but the fact that the three of them can sing together like that just mm. switch it on. Yeah. It's just. But and 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 the other thing that I found about that version of our darling was paul's voice at, for a, for that period of time from whatever it must have been like 1960 until 1978 or something yeah that fucker could sing anything and it, it, yeah. it was this kind of honeyed it wasn't even falsetto that's what got me. No, it's right That's, up at the yeah. top of his... But he's, it sounds like he's saving himself because they're rehearsing rather yes, than yeah. recording. And he's, but, yeah. but it's got a really different... It's, it's soft. Like, yeah. yeah, it's really, really lovely. And Ringo's immense on that. 
Yes, as, yes. as he is on Abbey Road. It's my favourite Ringo performance, oh. though, darling. Yeah. And, and and that's it. Like, Ringo and Paul, the rhythm section, heaven that they are. You just hear it. What's that track that they jam on called? I can't remember. It, it's not got many is lyrics. It dig it? It's not dig it, but it's um, mm. it's a good... It, it, can you dig it? Yeah. Can you? Yeah, and it, and it, yeah, yeah. What a fucking hell. Just the mm. locking in, you know. Yeah. And, it's and I love that they slip into sort of stuff that... I mean, at this point, you think when they start playing a bit of Please Please Me and, yeah. um, and, and Let It Be or whatever it is, and you're like, oh, well, you know, that... But it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah. You know, it's only like sort of eight years ago, but it sounds like they're sort of playing a song from 50 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, and that sort of fancy me chances thing, which yeah, is the the ter- Mary, one of the yeah. early terrible songs. Fancy me chances with um, you. Yeah. <laughs> fancy me chances with you. It's so lovely. I, and, I mean, and what got under my ribs was um, the couple of, they do, there's a few versions of Two of Us, isn't there? But which is always a really poignant song anyway, just off the normal record. But the, there's there's some really sweet versions of it, mm. but then that line that I don't know why it got me to what is it now? We you and I have memories longer than the road that stretches out ahead. Mm. I was like, oh fuck, that's exactly what what it turned out to be for John. You know, he he, he had more behind him than he had ahead of him at that point. You know what I mean? He had ten years left to fucking yeah. live, mm. and it's just yeah. blew my blew my tiny mind that. Mm. Oh, sorry, I got goosebumps then. <laughs> you, you were talking about how, you know, nowadays younger musicians or, you know, music doesn't sound as good. The funny thing about Let It Be is, you know, John said that famous quote about Phil Spector. He was given the shittest loads of badly recorded shit and he did a great job. But nowadays, <laughs> of course, it all sounds really good. Because yeah. even badly recorded stuff from yeah. the 60s sounds better, a lot better than it does. Like, well-recorded stuff mm. now, I think, because there's so much more character in it. Well, that's... So that's the amazing thing about, lot, lot, you know, that's a bit of a controversial thing to say, maybe. But, mm. but, but that's the thing about all those little outtakes and things as they sound amazing they sound so present and live and dynamic you know yeah and you can even hear them slagging off that sort of makeshift studio there's a bit where john where paul and george martin are sort of moaning about the acoustics and yeah, the acoustics, <laughs> yeah. oh that's it yeah um, and he's going what what could we do to could we lower the roof is that what he says <laughs> yeah. if we lower yeah. the ceiling would that make yeah. it better you know he's like, yeah. no i don't think yeah. so i don't think so paul i think we're just gonna get on with it the way it is and uh, this, isn't there a bit that's going to be in the film where they're talking about what you know one of the ideas was that they were going to go on a ferry yeah. do a live gig on a ferry and john says yeah. something like well, absolutely P- terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. john says like piano would just give us a ferry and george says fender won't even give us amps or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it oh, oh yeah like something like the fender have only just started giving us free amps yeah, yeah. so like 10 years in that's so true i mean i mean pre- precur- like sort of um presaging the whole um, being locked on a cruise with your favourite band idea by about 40 years there because that's, that's all the rage now isn't it, it you is. can go on yeah. a Marillion cruise and a yeah. Tool cruise you know yeah. a Beatles could've, cruise could've, would have been could have been in like Fire yeah. Festival or something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're stuck I mean, on the we're stuck in the Solent with 400 <laughs> rabid fans and we're running out of beer <laughs> imagine it can't you it'd be fucking disastrous but that, again, that's some of the other favourite bits I've got of, of it, where the the talking about, as you say, it will all come out in, in the film, I think, but 
because that was the the idea vaguely, wasn't it? The building up to some one big gig, and is it going to be at the pyramids? Is it going to be on a ferry? Yeah. <laughs> is it going to be in this shit studio in Shepperton? You know, yeah. I love all, all the to and fro on that, and John yeah. saying something like, you know, because it was Paul's. I, you know, Paul's a bit. You're a bit pissed off because it's not your idea. We've changed the we've changed yeah. the number. You know, it's not Paul's number anymore, and that's what's bugging you. But they're <laughs> they're, they're not arguing. They're just they're, they're having a considered chat about it. You know, yeah. again, which is like not the narrative that we've been fed, is it? You just take yeah. those little clips, mm. like especially the one where. Paul and George are in those shit jumpers and it's January. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and Paul's yeah. doing his like matron. No, I just want to, just try, I'm just telling you, you know, and all that. Yeah. I will play it as you want me to play it or I won't play it all, you know. <laughs> and the whole thing's been focused on these clips yeah. of them get, not getting on, you know. And uh, that's weird that mm. in the original Let It Be film, John is so quiet, like he looks kind of out of it uh, in the original film. Mm. But when you hear all this new stuff, mm. you know, he's present yeah very very much so yeah. i'm gonna throw something in here now yeah mm. which is controversial that's fine and uncontroversial at the same time mm. and it's only controversial because i'm probably scotching my chances of ever getting to speak to keith or mick again not that i've ever spoken to mick actually i've spoken to keith <laughs> but um <laughs> I just think that the, the the first thing that I thought after listening through to the Super Deluxe, essentially it's like listening, it's like sitting in the rehearsal room with them, isn't it, for a couple of hours, right? Mm. So it's all pretty much, most of it's as completely live. And my, my thought just kept coming, bubbling back up, which was, I'm sorry, but you can prefer the Rolling Stones. That's your prerogative. Mm. But yeah. the Beatles are better. <laughs> and that's it. I don't. Yeah. I don't. No. 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 I don't want you to say anything else. There's no fucking point arguing with me. They're a better band. They've got better songs. They play better. They're better live. Actually, you know this whole thing that Mick does about. Well, you know, I mean, they stopped playing as a live band in '66, and we're still going. And it's like it doesn't mean you're fucking that good. I mean, you, you mm. are good, obviously, and you're iconic, and you've written some of the greatest songs of all time. You've not written as many of the greatest songs of all time as the fucking Beatles have. So that's yeah. the end of the fucking conversation, Mick. It's I love your band. I don't. I don't think it's remotely controversial. <laughs> I think it's it's a moot point. It's you know. I don't see. And I think they would kind of. I think they would. They can't say it, but yeah. you get the feeling that they kind of agree, because no one's comparable, really. It annoys me and a bit that we because I'm so unbelievably. Um, un, um, non-confrontational that all, all I get what annoys me is that Mick and Paul just don't go and just don't ha hash it out and talk about it you know Paul shouldn't be saying you know they're just a really good blues band because that's disingenuous and rude because they're a lot more mm. than that but equally Mick should have the latitude now and the ego sublimated enough to be able to go you gave us our first hit song and you know in a lot of ways you are better than us you know but mm. we're, we'll, we'll not see and those they days they were, there's no way they would have been anywhere near as big in the States in the, the no. early, mid-60s without the Beatles. So, yeah, you would, you know, but I guess it's not very stonesy to yeah, yeah. give people credit where it's due. You've got, you've got <laughs> Mick and Keith on next episode, haven't you, I think? Yeah, Mick that's right. Yeah. 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 Although they probably just emailed to say, I've not got coming up anymore. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Here's, a, here's another mm. controversial take for you. I, I The best version of Across the Universe is on Let It Be Naked. Right. I don't even know that. Well, it's because, like, so you know that, like, the one they did for that WWF album? Mm. And it, it's... What's that? World Wrestling Arresting. Federation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the World Wrestling Federation. They did it for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one that's got the birds singing on it, and it's got oh, the, yeah. the Apple the Apple Scruffs uh, singing. And, oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't realise, I didn't know that had been done for well, charity yeah, that, record or whatever. Well, that was, the, there is that only, there, basically, mm. they didn't re-record it. For the Letter B sessions, Phil Spector got that '68 version and slowed it down and added all the strings on it and everything. Right. Mm. Okay. So it, the original, that original is in D, and then this is really going. A bit no, in I like already. this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but Phil Spector slowed it down so it's in C sharp. Ah. And the the remixes are remixes of the Spector one, and version, is it, yeah. which is the slow one. I've got to go back to that then, haven't I? But the Let It Be Naked one is at the right speed. So for, to my ears, it sounds more natural. And mm. it's just much more gentle backing. Like, it doesn't have all the harps and st- obviously doesn't have the Spectre stuff. What do you think of the, the Glyn, Glynis one? The Glynis? Well, yeah, I just think it's good. But, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't... I mean, it's really interesting, the Spectre stuff, I think. I, I, I think it's good, but I just prefer it a bit more unadorned. There's something almost yeah. peculiar about it when you listen to that letter. Yeah, I get that. It's that kind of era, isn't it? Okay, press pause and rewind. So when Jack asked me just then if I had heard the Glyn Johns mix of Across the Universe, I got confused because I had just listened to disc four of the Let It Be Super Deluxe Edition, which contains the mixes made by Glyn Johns in 1969 of what would have been the Get Back album. And this disc doesn't include Across the Universe. So I thought Jack was talking about the Giles Martin version of Across the Universe on disc one, which is a remix of the orchestral Phil Spector version. But I'm an idiot. Glyn Johns did, of course, mix Across the Universe, but not until 1970. And this version is on disc five, which I hadn't listened to at the time. I've listened to it now, and I have to say, I think that it is the best version of the song, despite what I just said earlier. You can really hear the tape, and it sounds really warm. I love it. But, interesting fact, the version of Across the Universe that was released on the World Wildlife Fund album, No One's Gonna Change Our World, which was put together by Spike Milligan, was actually sped up to E-flat. Phil Spector slowed it down to C-sharp, as I said, and the Naked version and Glyn Johns' mix are in the original key of D. So, the same take of Across the Universe has been released multiple times in three different keys. Also worth listening to the David Bowie cover of Across the Universe, which features John on vocals and guitar, if only for the vocal... Thoughts meander like a restless wind inside a letterbox. Anyway, back to the show. But I, I, I disagree with, you know, like Paul was, that was always Paul's thing, wasn't it? That he didn't like mm. the specterification. And I suppose that was a lot to do with what was going on in the Beatles at the time. And yeah. um, 
all the politics and everything. And and I think I don't know. Whether I'm probably getting this all wrong, but I obviously because he worked with Lennon a lot afterwards. Mm. Phil was more in John's camp, maybe. Mm. And it's yeah. like I've written all these beautiful songs, and you've stuck a lot of fucking yeah. packing on it. Is this a well-known fact that Phil Spector had a bodyguard when he was doing the mix? <laughs> Did you know that? What? He brought a bodyguard to Ivy Road when he was doing the Let It Be mixes. A bodyguard? I've just been reading this. This is the Mark Lewis and the Beatles oh. recording session. Ooh. It's brilliant. Mm. Is it? I really want that. It's Where did you great. find it? It's it was quite hard Oxford. to get hold of. Was it? Oh, yeah. You lucky really bugger. It's like... well, there's, one, there's an interesting factoid in here. One of the days Phil Spector made a loop of I, Me, Mine and put little clips of um, the kind of crowd response to the film, to the rooftop gig. Really? Oh, right. Uh, just over that loop. It was going to just be a part of the album. Wow. Nothing ever came of it. But that would be really good. It's got, you know, the guy going, well, it's a bit of an imposition, isn't it, playing up there? You know. And oh, that. wow. <laughs> mm. So like, almost been... like that sort of early sampling thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That would have been quite interesting. I'm surprised they never pulled that up for, mm. for this version. But I suppose Paul's got now, you know, Double the control. Yeah. Well, that's. Just, that, I think he would have been a bit like reticent about the whole the thing. Yeah. Well, coming out full stop. I think. Well, Phil Spector was like an artist. He was trying to. He was putting his stamp on it, isn't it? And I suppose the new let it be and get back is to try and get it back to what it was before, which was the yeah. jam, jamming in a room. Thing, yeah, that's not, it. Not you yeah. you want to hear? It's more about it's them. It's that it's the the. To, to hear those conversations and everything, isn't it? Mm. To just four guys in a room, you know, it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but um, mm. it, it does make what you just said there made me think, reminded me of the other thing, which is what is going on? Or, or, is it because Paul's approaching his 80th birthday? Mm. Because he, he, it does seem that there's a sort of pincer movement on the, the legacy at the moment, yeah. which is not a bad yeah. thing, especially if all this stuff's coming out. But I just wonder what what's whether it's just a natural thing that happens when you you get into that point in your life. But like he's, he's done all the I don't know if you've watched the the Rick Rubin things as well. Yeah, yeah. I've been sifting through those, um, and and you know he's released that book, hasn't yeah. he? That sort of yeah. autobiography of the lyrics and everything. And he's he's starting to reposition himself, isn't he? Like I think he's mm -hmm. I've not heard what he said, but he said something about the he finally sort of hit back about how do you sleep that the, the Lennon song that's about him and yeah you know he's start he's starting to put it put things in in his perspective again isn't he I think that's an it definitely feels and um, you know I'm, I haven't read the whole of the the book which is absolutely fantastic is it? um yeah and, and it's definitely the most candid he's he's been and it does feel quite there's something that feels quite finite about it which has really kind of choked me up reading it Mm. on multiple occasions and stuff especially um there's a section where he talks about here today mm. um the one he wrote for john um and it does feel like a man sort of just getting you know getting his affairs in order yeah. for want of a better word and i think God. through lockdown and stuff it feels like you know it's like i'm running out of time to correct all this misinformation yeah and it's very interesting that the intro to the book there's a, a very clear swipe at um the different types of kind of Beatles biographers. Mm. Um, and even Mark Lewinson, who I know Paul and him sort of fell out, but there's a very sort of thinly veiled attack on um, what he calls um, 
over-the-top fans come writers who are obsessed with putting every conversation into some sort of sacred text, yeah. mm. which I think is is definitely him having a go <laughs> at sort of tune in and the the kind of confidence with which people yeah. print this this stuff as like categorical fact. Um, so yeah, it feels like him Do you think sort of it is getting a go his... at Mark Lewis, or is it a go at that guy who was in Squid Game who played one of the VIPs? What was that? No, I don't know about this. <laughs> He's one of one of the guys who played the VIPs is this Beatles biographer. Really, really, yeah. in I mean, real he's an life, absolutely yeah. terrible actor. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I never. That's insane. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny as, as the government, but he's one of the like real kind of hacks, you know. Well, let me just get his, get his yeah. name up here. This is um, a, you, you, I think that's exactly right, though. Can you? We can't begin to imagine how frustrating it would be to you. You know. I fucking lived this life, mate. I know, because yeah. I was there in every room that you're talking about. But you have published this book where you think that you know something that I don't. You know, it must be so yeah. annoying. It's like being gaslit yeah. by a bestseller a year. Yeah. I think the ones that really get to him are the Ian MacDonald ones, where Ian MacDonald's yeah. put so much intent into the chord progressions <laughs> or the musical, this melody does this because it means this. Yeah. And like Paul's like, that's so against the way Paul writes, which is really instinctive, isn't it? And he doesn't know the theory or maybe doesn't have the words for it. So yeah. he, he does like... He's in, yeah, he's a sort of academic imposition mm. of, of an intent that can't possibly really have existed. Yeah. yeah. Or he's trying mm. to read the runes, isn't it? What I think yeah. he means here with this move to F sharp minor is, yeah. Yeah. No. but it's not even I think he means it's he means yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a, that's what's surprising about the lyric book is that he's um, he never really talks that much about um, song construction and in, in a sort of musical way. Yeah. Um, and but he really does in this book a lot, and I think a lot okay. of that is trying to, you know, get the you know, his view, version of events out. Uh, the way he talks about yesterday, I was almost like, shall I skip this chapter? Yeah. It's the old scrambled yeah, egg yeah, story yeah, coming yeah. out again. Um, but actually, yeah, he talks um, really beautifully about George Martin's involvement. And, mm. you know, I'm sure they are stories that are out there, but, um, yeah, they're definitely, you get the feeling that his objective is to get the sort of definitive director's yeah. cut version of these all these anecdotes that have been spiraling around the ether for so long i like the um one that ticket to ride was about the place called ride yeah on the, the other white <laughs> yeah. it never occurred to me that but it's, it's so john it's so yeah. john you know, it really yeah. um, but that that, that, that wordplay thing of course yeah, so. he probably did mean that to begin yeah, with yeah. didn't he yeah. what a riff <laughs> but and, and then actually <laughs> to go back to that the special edition the other thing that, and again, this is stuff that if you're if you are a completist, not a generalist, you already know this and have heard it. But I hadn't heard um, the Beatles performing uh, "All Things Must Pass" and mm. "Give Me Some Truth," which yeah. was like <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that, you know, because mm. I, I I'm not really care, I don't really know. And then it's like, what the fuck? They're playing all these solo Beatles songs as the Beatles. Mm. As I was stirring my chili con carne, I was nearly in tears. <laughs> yeah, or, or even just I hearing think, them um, do those like polythene pam and through the bathroom yeah. window, like you know. It was just... Yeah, that version of we, I mean, that has been on anthology before, yeah. but that um, those beautiful little wah wah bits that that uh, George puts in in that slow sort mm. of sexy version of she came in through yeah, the bathroom yeah. window. It's so brilliant. Mm. But I think all things must pass is really interesting because it's the only one. 
that doesn't work. Like you can, I just, it sounds completely wrong. And because we know what Jordan, George, George's intention was, yeah. you can sort of sense the frustration of like, those harmonies don't really work. They're not playing the right chords in the right way. And you can just hear him when he's singing it, getting a bit pissed off, I think. Yeah, it's mm. like, why, you know, why can't the Beatles play this music? It just so, it mm. reminds me of the band, though. Mm, yeah. So much. Well, he'd just been in Woodstock, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there is that. And his voice, something weird happens to his voice because his voice is very different on solo George records mm. yeah. than in any Beatles things. And suddenly when he's singing that, it's like, oh, it's... Uh, it's seventies, George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just there, you know. But he's sort of something happens when he's singing that that material that he's very confident yeah. in. That is like, you know, he's projecting it a bit more, or just he's like got doing a more of a more kind of lead vocal performance. Mm. Yeah, and you can tell that he's yeah he's confident. He knows the songs are good, and he doesn't think they're giving them the respect that they deserve. Imagine and, that though. I mean, and obviously this has been well documented, but to be George Harrison, one of the great songwriters of all time, but be cuckolded in this fucking band <laughs> yeah. where you're the yeah. third best songwriter. Yeah. And it never, mm. that pecking order is never going to go anywhere. Is it? I mean, I, I still, you still get that. Like watching when you see McCartney interviewed a lot of the time with Rick Rubin or earlier on with, on the anthology, there is always, you could see why he wound them up, you know, because mm. there yeah, still yeah. is that kind of language, kind of, well, you know, it was the best, I was the best one, really, you know, <laughs> I could play all the stuff, you know, and, and mm. he, there's this, just this little, there's still that kind of little brother thing all the time, even mm. though fucking, the poor guy's been dead 20 years, you know, you know, he's a good little guitar player, you know, he was really, yeah, got was some really nice good kid. songs, you know, he's <laughs> yeah. like, fuck off, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you, you can get the best, the biggest selling double album of any of the solo Beatles. Yeah. Mm, I like, um, I was listening to an interview with John Harris, who did all the, the transcripts for um, the Get Back book. And it's just really funny because he must have listened to 60 hours of John and Paul talking. And he's just started talking like, yeah, well, the thing was, you know, <laughs> you know, he's talking like that. Like, it's obviously affected he's his... He's become. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the Rick Rubin thing, two things. Number one, I'm very surprised to see that Sir Paul McCartney is very bad at air bass playing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's almost like you watch him. And he's like, "Have you ever fucking played a bass?" I mean, I've seen you play a bass numerous times live, so yeah. I know you can. But you can't air bass. Yeah, yeah. He, he has the. I mean, I'm brilliant at air basing. I'm not very good at <laughs> actual basing, but I look like Pure I know punches. what I'm doing. Yeah, 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 the full Mick Khan. Yeah. But Paul's like, he's never fucking held one. He's like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, bloody hell! But then in the in the in there's an episode, the last one I watched of the Rubin thing, mm. and it's. It, they're, they're breaking down something, which is, and, and of course that great Sinatra line, isn't it? The best uh, love song the Beatles that Lennon and McCartney ever wrote. <laughs> it was yeah. I still nah. think that's so funny. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it's like what it is, and it, 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 it's right. It is one of the great bass lines, possibly in the whole pop canon. It's just mm. yeah. unbelievably beautiful, mm. and it is a program primarily about Paul. So I do get that. But it is like, it would have been Paul's opportunity to show a bit more humility about, let's concentrate mm. on how great this song is. But yeah. it's not. It's just four minutes of Rick and Paul going, and then the bass line does this. <laughs> you know, and Rick Rubin's just like, 
like he's seated at God's right hand, you know. Mm. You're just the best. I mean, you're just the best. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Strokes beard. And then you did this. I that fucking know. Mm. Imagine that, George. <laughs> George Harrison seeing that where it's like, let's analyze this song and just solo in yeah. Paul's bass. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's funny, yeah. It's like, whoa, that's a bit that rich. Is, it's funny. Mm. It that's great. it. Paul's probably never going to speak to me again now. <laughs> Have you met Paul? Have you interviewed him before? Well, funnily enough, it's funny you should ask that because I'm actually, don't laugh, or do, um, <laughs> but I am, uh, I wish I was in my dotage, you know, I wish I'd earned and, and not spent so much money that I, I was semi-retired now, but uh, the reality is that I'm fucking scrabbling around to pay my mortgage, so I'm doing all kinds of things, but one of the things I'm doing is writing a sort of patchy memoir uh, it's more of a sort of comedy book, really, ba- sort of based on the few things that I can remember that have happened in my life. Um, but one of the chapters that I've just finished is uh, the times that I have met Sir Paul McCartney. Oh, great. And there are nice. some funny little bits in there. Um, I used to talk about it a lot on the show anyway, but yeah. we did a, Lauren did a session at Maida Vale and, with Paul, and um, I... I rehydrated him backstage uh, handed him a glass of water which he was very very excited about um, and I did I interviewed him once in 2008 and we got about eight minutes and it was mm. it was one of those it was in fact twice because then fast forward to about 2017 very hot day in August and I, it was to do with the You'll know better than me that the film that came out about them, uh, the you know when they were playing live in the Hollywood, um, not the Hollywood, Ron Howard, film. yes, oh, eight, yeah. day, eight days, eight a week. days that. a week. Yeah. So what we we were very excited, Firewall and Phil and I, because it was like, do you want to interview Ron Howard, Ringo Starr, and Paul McCartney? Yes or no? Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> no, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At Abbey Road. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, so, wow, right, yeah. we were like, this is amazing. I, I sort of rock up mid afternoon on my fucking bike on one of the hottest days of the year, pouring in sweat. I meet Matt backstage uh, in the cafe at Abbey Road, who I used to do the show with Matt Everett, who's a bigger yeah, Beatles yeah. fan than I am. Surely he's done this podcast. No, we should get him should on. Put, write his name down. He's better than I am on this. He knows much more than I yeah. do. And Phil and I, and we sat there and we. As you would do, you know, we, we had about 50 questions each that we had to try and boil down. Mm-hmm. And I think at first, this is what always happens. At first, we, they said, well, you've got 15 minutes. And we were like, oh, that's not bad. And then it was like, you've got 12 minutes. You've got 10 minutes. You've got eight minutes. You've got six minutes. Mm-hmm. You're up in two minutes. And, and, and we mm-hmm. walked into what I think is Studio 2 in Abbey Road, right? So yeah. this is an iconic moment anyway. We're walking into Abbey Road and um, we walk in. And into that massive sound room, yeah. uh, and in there, there's, there's a seat for me. This is how I remember it: Ringo Starr, uh, Paul McCartney, uh, oh, Ron God. Howard, sitting opposite me in, yeah. in in a row like that. But then, in my peripheral vision over to my right, I remember like not one but like two PR people mm-hmm. standing there and fixated on like a, what must have been a stopwatch or something. So it was like, you, you're not doing an interview. What you, it's, it's like an Olympic event. 
and, yeah. and, and, and what we eventually <laughs> ended up with was like five and a half minutes, basically. And how you can't conduct any kind of interview, as you well know, in that time. And it yeah. really annoyed me because it was like, Paul and... There's no, I mean, I know that you have to have gatekeepers when you're that big a, a star. You mm. need people because you've got to be the nice one. I understand all that. Me being a mega star myself, <laughs> you need these lines and these boundaries. But there's no way that they got anything out of that. that you know, mm, if, yeah. if you just have fewer people and gave them more time, you know. But yeah. it was just like, uh, so uh, Ron Howard, uh, big fan of the Beatles. Yeah, man. You know, obviously since 1964, I remember, <laughs> and then Happy Days, the Fonz. Anyway, mm. Sir Ringo Starr, <laughs> uh, was it like watching yourself uh, play? You know, back in those days. Well, you know, it was great, and I just remember how much energy we used to have. You know, ha ha ha. So Paul, you know, uh, it's great being here. With... And that was it. You know. Yeah. yeah. But still, I got up. And I walked over and I shook all the hands pre-COVID. And uh, mm. it was just, it was for me, of course, that was like being anointed by the Pope. I mean, I'm a, I'm yeah. a lapsed Catholic, so it was like <laughs> fucking hell. Completely mm. insane. And, yeah. and, and what a yeah. privilege to have even been and in the studio same, too. To be in Abbey Road with, really with the half icing of on the, the cake, Beatles. Yeah. And Ron Howard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ruined it a bit. I mean, I love Ron. Yeah, yeah I mean, Happy Days was fucking great. Yeah. yeah, that's what I, that, I think. I had that written down as a my top line joke that if I had the nuts to do it, I would have done it. You know, mm. like Ron. So how is the Fonz? You know, <laughs> but you must have heard that yeah. one a lot. But yeah, so I have. I have. You know, at least I've had the pleasure of uh, shaking the great hand. Amazing. Oh, amazing. And what kind of place do the Beatles have in your life now? Like aside from, you know, the Let It Be. Super deluxe and everything. Do you, do you do you do you listen to them a lot? Do you listen to them like every day, or are they kind of just? A... Well, you mentioned it earlier on. Like on, I don't remember. I never remember anything. But I, I did. I, as you mentioned, I did remember that. Like on, when I did my last show of my last my last six music show in September, mm. I think I sort of posted something about I'll be listening to Sergeant Pepper today, and that's a really true thing. I think that especially with coronavirus and stuff. Mm. That since last March, we've all that membrane between life and death has been thinned out a lot for a, a lot of us. We've seen a lot of death, and we know people who've lost people and all that. It's a bit like a sort of shit version of the war, really. And um, and and, and I, what I remember th- through that is when when you're put under intense pressure and when you, there's a lot of uh, upset and grief and turmoil and tumult, and let's face facts, it's, it, that you could put that on the government as much as anybody else, mm. the biggest, mm. in my view, bunch of charlatans that have ever taken office. And, you know, that, that sort of, anything that, that shakes your foundations and makes you worry yeah. about the future, or me at least, it sends me back to the comfort the comfort zone. It sends me back to the comfort place. You know, it's like mm. people say, oh, I, got, I split up with my girlfriend, and so I'm just going to hold up and eat pizza and and watch happy days you know you might do something like that when you're in your 20s but for me now in my as i approach my 50s it's it's things like going back to the beatles yeah you know if you if my wife ever comes in and i'm watching an, uh, an episode of the anthology she knows something's gone wrong <laughs> you know it's like what's happened yeah. because that's that's my absolute ultimate comfort blanket yeah. so yeah. this stuff i mean i i texted matt ever uh, massive Beatles fan who will be on a subsequent episode I'm sure the other day mm. and I was just like we've not thought about this where are we going to watch the film mm. when are, when yeah. we need to book a date and we need to we need to we need to block out 
an afternoon or an evening, and we need to watch it together because it's the sort of thing you need to watch. But, but I mean, I'll be able to watch that at least four or five times in a week and not get bored. Yeah. So I'll just choose different people, different Beatles obsessives to watch it with, I think. And yeah. it'll be great. I've already got uh, plans for two different sets of friends to <laughs> yeah. watch the first couple. There you go. Um, yeah. It's got to be done, it's hasn't gonna it? It's going to be so... Yeah, it's, it's, it's Beatle Christmas. Oh, God, so excited. Yeah, it is. It's, it's sort of around Thanksgiving, isn't it, I suppose? For yeah. the Yanks. Yeah, yeah. So they'll, they'll be excited about that. already covered some controversial Beatles opinions but do you have one kind of one really shocking one like a song you hate or a song you love that people don't like (laughs) Uh, well I'm I'm exposing another exclusive into what will be the New York Times bestseller 2023 (laughs) Sean Keaveney's memoir stroke autobiography better than Chronicles by Dylan said (laughs) Grail Marcus or But uh, I do mention it in the aforementioned chapter. Mm. Um, I, I enjoyed... So he played at Maidervale, and then we all went into that... There's a weird little anteroom behind the studio. Mm. We all file in there. There's, a, I think, you know, a couple of six music people in there, a couple of Paul's children, a couple of publicists, hangers-on. I'm standing next to Stella McCartney, which I'm I'm a bit blown away by anyway. It's fucking Stella yeah. McCartney, right? Yeah, I love yeah. your beer, and um, <laughs> and I, I say to her, I, I, I was like, oh, you know, I'm Sean. She said, oh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I saw you up there. And then she was like, I just, oh, and this is Paul's just standing over there, right? And everybody's going, oh, you, you know, you're just the best thing I've ever seen. You're so amazing. Thanks very much. <laughs> and uh, Stella's just to be like really nonchalant, you know. Um, I really enjoyed it. What did you think of it? I said, yeah, obviously it was amazing. Really wish that he wouldn't play Obladi Oblada though. He always play, always plays it, and he's got so many better songs. And I was like, mm. yeah, exactly what I thought. And it's like because he did, he, he fucking played Obladi, and it's like you have yeah. written a, about seven hundred of the best songs of all time. Why are you still playing that shit? Why? What is it about that song that makes you think it's fucking good? Because it's yeah. shit. Testify. Oh, so there you go. That's my it. least favorite. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's had a lot of airtime on this podcast. Oh, there song, you go. So I'm very glad to hear it. I like um, it. Now. I'm good. Good to know Stella doesn't like it either. That's Not so a big fan. Stella's Not a big fan. Fantastic chat. That one of my favourites. Yeah, such a funny man. Brilliant. Uh, impressions were spot on as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was well. great. And you know, I did that little pick up there about across the universe. And I went on such a deep dive with Across the Universe in the last couple of days. Uh, I went completely mad, to be honest. I, must have, I think I've listened to like nine or ten different versions of it. But I mm. will say again, that Glyn Johns mix is superb, not least because it keeps the vocals of Lizzie Bravo and Gaylene Peace, the Apple Scruffs on it, which aren't on the naked version and mm. aren't on Phil Spector's version. So it's really lovely to hear their voices again. But they, their vocals always sound really Christmassy to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway, but the other versions that are really worth checking out is um, you can hear Take Two on, Anthol- on Anthology Two, which has got Ringo playing this instrument called a swore mandal, which is a really oh, like, right. a, like an Indian zither sound. It's a really mm-hmm. brilliant version. You can also hear Take Six on the White Album Super Deluxe Edition. And if you go to YouTube, 
there's a version which is called the Hums Wild Mix, which has got backwards guitar and lots of kind of humming sounds on it. And that's really worth a listen. But there's one fascinating Beatles mystery, right, which I found, which is that take six and take eight both Mm -hmm. start with John saying to Ringo, you're right, Richie, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's weird. Why would that be on two different takes? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. Maybe they thought it was just a bit sort of bit of fun. <laughs> just a little bit of snippet. Maybe he said it on take six and they thought, oh, I like that. Let's put it on to take Yeah, six. I think they might have done that with the Sugar Plum Fairy thing at some point. Sure, yeah. yeah. Maybe the Love version or some other version that had come out. It's probably yeah. the Love version, but I've definitely heard that. Yeah, so that's that's been my week. <laughs> nice. The Glyn Johns version I wasn't aware of until this all emerged. And I really love the sort of droney nature of that sort of looping mm. um, sitar part it's so i just find it really sort of hypnotic and beautiful great stuff so we'll uh, be back with you know a little bit more detail on get back slash let it be and yeah. um, we're basically hoping to do a christmas spesh with a kind of a bit of a t- when we've had time to fully digest get back and to kind of yeah it's it's penciled in and yeah. um you know expect to hear a bit more from us in the future uh, a couple of people have got in touch about um patreon um i realize that we've got a few sort of new listeners now um and wondering how they can get the bonus episodes and the extended ones we have stopped the patreon um because we're not doing weekly episodes anymore and we didn't think it was quite sort of giving you the bang for your buck you deserve from a monthly payment when we're not putting out regular stuff so if you want to hear those bonus episodes like ellis james and abbey road and um our covers challenge with johnny white really really those uh, episodes we're going to make them available in front of the paywall at some point so just hold tight and if you do want to support the show um you know no more fan mail, no more donations. <laughs> and, um, you can go to uh, just Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and just give us a nice five-star review. And that's uh, we're very, very grateful for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to vote for us at the uh, Pod Bible um, winner's poll thing, uh, <laughs> we'd love you to. You can go to podbiblemag.com and vote for us there. Um, and, so, yeah, we'll speak to you very soon. Keep beetling on. Keep beetling on. Cheers, mate. See you soon. Cheers. Bye. Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender. The podcast artwork is done by Morgan Ritchie. It's produced by me, Jack Pelling, and is a Homespun Sounds production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.